the industry, although I believe it's been good to me, um, has been pretty tough. You know, like I spent 10 years um, leaving home, you know, four or five o'clock in the morning, getting home six, seven o'clock at night, not seeing my family, not seeing my kids. And they were the years where I was making no money, you know. Now I'm making tenfold and uh, I'm ha having holidays whenever I want. I'm picking my kids up from school a couple of days a week, coaching my son's football team on a Wednesday night and a Saturday morning. All these things weren't possible when I wasn't making any money. Welcome to Professional Builders Secrets, the podcast for building company owners wanting to grow safely and securely. I'm your host, Will Blunt, and today I'm joined by Ryan Stannard. Ryan's the owner of Stannard Family Homes in South Australia. Ryan, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Will. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure having you on the show. This is not the first time you've uh, you've been on Professional Builders Secrets, though, is it? No, nah, no, nah, I'm a little bit of a regular regular around the APV for sure. So, <laughs> No, it's great to have you on. So if anyone wants to check out Ryan's um, story from kind of day dot through to when he started his building company, they can check out episode 18. Uh, but today we're going to talk about something a little different. So obviously it's still through the lens of your story, Ryan, but we want to hear a little bit more about your journey through um, builder levels. But before we jump into that, uh, can you just tell me a little bit about what your relationship with APB is all about? Yeah, so I've been a uh, member of the APB for five years. Um, I started off in uh, um, business coaching um, straight off the bat um, and moved into elite mentoring, I think, after about six months. The, the move so quick was I just wanted to get stuff happening. So I wanted to get it happening as fast as I could. And the, the best, way to, best way to do that was to meet with my coach weekly. And uh, yeah, and that's elevated us to where we are today. So Yeah, amazing. The 7th of May, 2018, I believe you, you became a member. <laughs> oh, there you go. All the way back. And I, I didn't know exactly when it was. I got my five-year membership plaque. Uh, earlier on in the year so I knew it was five years before that I didn't even know so yeah that's yeah good. that's good to know well there's a, there's a lot that's happened um you recently became actually a certified professional builder by reaching level 10 of APB's builder levels now for anyone that doesn't understand what that means can you tell me what your in your own words what the builder levels are so for anyone looking in and anyone that's um anyone that's just joined the APB or thinking about joining the APB if they look at the levels uh, of the APB they would probably look at them and think geez that is absolutely impossible but uh, it it's truly not I'm I'm proof of that so I I work, just started working through modules and working through modules and then never really took much notice of the levels uh, until I'd been working through module after module for about four years and realized I was still only at level four, which was last year when I went to the retreat in Hamilton Island, I realized I was on level four. And at that point, I realized the, the steps to get me to level 10, I'd already started a lot of the steps, but hadn't finalized them. So the company manual was already part done. Um, the sales manual was all pretty much done. Um, which were which are key parts of of the of the levels, but uh, but the big big ticks tickets were trying to get the gross profit um, above twenty five percent and the net profit above ten percent. That was they were the big kickers. So going through COVID times, every builder's been smashed to the wall. So I set myself a goal coming out of Hamilton Island that when we got to Hawaii this year, I wanted to be level ten. So. And it's been a huge credit to my team 
that uh, we've worked so hard in that past 12 months to get everything in tip-top shape. So it could be, uh, so it could my, all my manual, my systems manual um, and procedure. So that's my company manual and my sales manual could get get vetted by Andy Scarter, the head coach. So that was a daunting thing in itself, sending that over to him to have a look at. So. Yeah, but the professional builder levels from the outset, you look at them and you think there's no way that that's actually possible. So, and I don't, I think I, well, I know I'm actually the first person to ever reach it. So it actually is possible. So yeah, it's a huge achievement, and and the the speed in which you kind of accelerated towards that over the last twelve months is pretty impressive. Just just to clarify for everyone, it's greater than ten percent net profit, and over a five hundred k salary is that the tier for for level ten of the builder levels. So. Yeah, congratulations, man. That's that's a huge achievement. No worries. Well, thank you. Yeah, so I guess how long did it take? I mean, you mentioned that you're at level four the start of last year, so pretty much twelve <clears throat> months from from four all the way all the way through to the end. Yeah, yeah. So I I think the the first four levels, uh, the first couple of levels, are just working through the things that you need to work through with your coach to get there, and then it starts to get into the nitty gritty. So working through these levels. Um, you'll probably be doing a lot of the stuff in um, in the higher levels, like uh, I can't remember the exact levels off the top of my head, but the, um, the higher levels like your company manual and your sales manual, you'll be working on these for years. Like they are not something that can be just done and we decide, all right, we're going to create a company manual and you'll have it done within a year. You, you may have a company manual within a year, but it'll take you four or five years to complete it to the stage where you could hand that manual to somebody else and you could step out the door and they could run your company. So there's there's a lot that goes on that's not actually progressing you in levels over the years. Yeah, level seven and level eight are the sales manual and the company manual. So that's kind of right towards the, the pointy end. Um, I guess just as a, a holistic concept though, what was the real driver behind you wanting to even get to level 10? I mean, it might just sound um, like a vanity thing to to someone that doesn't quite understand um, w- what the achievement is. So, if you if you listen to Russ, Russ reckons that getting to level ten is like having a triple cra- triple A credit rating in this industry. Um, and but I want to get to level. I wanted to get to level ten myself, um, which I think we may go into a little bit further in the in the podcast. But I wanted to get to level ten myself because I my my daughter is planning on taking over my role in this company and I'm planning on setting up another company of the same size somewhere else in Australia, um, somewhere I know nothing about. So the only way that, that I can be feel comfortable that my 19-year-old daughter could step into this company and run it is if I'm at level 10. So Otherwise, I, I would be freaking out all the time that she's going to go through what I've gone through over the years of running it running this business, which has been a lot of hard work. So that was, that was a lot of the driving factor. Um, and bringing family into a, into a business, um, you don't want to bring them into a burden. You want to bring them into something that's profitable, something that's systemized, something that they can actually run. So, and then maybe I've got three other kids. Maybe they might even follow in and want to be involved in the business as well. Who knows? Yeah, interesting. So how long's it, your daughter's name's Erin, right? Yes, Erin. How yep. long she been working in the business for? She's only nineteen. She, she's pretty fresh and, and young. <laughs> yeah, so it's an interesting story, really. She um, she was doing year twelve um, at you know year twelve at high school, and we're trying to work out her career path and where she wanted to go. 
Um, and we sat her down. I said, "Shoot for the stars, Aaron. You tell me what you want to what you want to do, and I'll try and create a path to get there." And she actually said to me right then at the table, "You know, I want your job." Uh, and I was a bit thrown back by this at the time, but I was. Uh, I said, "Look, that's probably the easiest thing that I could get. You know, I can't. <laughs> I, you know, that's the easiest thing that I can do." So then after that was probably a huge drive for me to hit this level ten mark because. Without that, um, without that level ten accreditation, um, I, I wouldn't have been comfortable to welcome her into into something that I didn't know was going to succeed. So, mm, yeah, that's a fair point. But it, it's interesting because it kind of really gives you that that purpose, right, around doing all the stuff that you do for the business. Yeah, and and to be honest with you, like being in business is a really lonely place, um, and the years of be- being in business. Um, I, before I joined the APB, I was running a pretty shitty building company. I was running a building company that wasn't making any money. Over the five years before I joined APB, I watched my watched my mortgage on my house actually grow because um, I was building houses and wasn't making any money. I was actually probably putting money into people's houses on some stages because I didn't know my numbers. But it comes down to you don't know what you don't know. Um, and I didn't know. Like when I started with the APB, I think I was marking up my jobs uh, by like 15%. Might have even been 10%, but 10 to 15%. Now, um, with all the marketing and stuff that we do along the way, we're marking up our jobs by 35% plus, um, plus contingencies, plus um, we're, we're allowing for inflation now as well. So it's all these things that you, you, you don't know. And the building company that I was running that was marking up by 10 or 15%. My fixed expenses are more than ten to fifteen percent, so I was actually making nothing. So, I mean, what was it that you felt at the time like made you only mark up your jobs ten to fifteen percent? Oh, because I thought that was that was how much I could mark up the jobs for. And I, you look at you say you look at you know five hundred grand and you mark it up by you know ten percent. There's fifty grand. That should be enough. It was only you know the company was a lot smaller back then, and you think, oh yeah, but back then I had on-site staff as well so I thought I was making money on them as well but as it turned out I was actually on a downward spiral so yeah that's an interesting interesting kind of revelation I guess for you so you only really figured that out once you once you started to dig into the numbers at some point yeah yeah definitely and, I, and I'd worked with business coaches before I joined the APB um, and the business coaches were um, they were advising me that this was a good thing that I was doing marking up by 10 to 15 percent um and until i joined the apb i realized that that was definitely not but it goes into and, and we could probably chat about these sort of topics all day but it goes into yeah. the um into the whipper calculator and understanding your numbers and knowing what your numbers are um so that you can make real financial decisions knowing where they are so yeah i'm just whipper's actually enough enough cash to cover whipper is actually level two of the builder levels Funnily enough, yeah. so yeah. just for anyone that doesn't know, what's what's the WIPRA acronym stand for? Uh, work in progress calculator. So yeah, so and it's been interesting over the last over the COVID time. So the WIPRA calculator generally means that when we are getting paid progress payments, we are holding a, a fair chunk of the customer's money at points through the build that we need to manage our our cash flow that's not ours. So that that figure used to be a lot higher before COVID when we could build houses a lot faster. That that figures actually came down a fair bit through COVID because the because we got materials sitting around on jobs while we're waiting for labor to try and get it done with this labor shortage that we're in at the moment. So yeah, knowing these numbers uh, is massive in progression. So getting back to the builder levels, what 
level do you feel like had the biggest impact on your business? Good question. Um, there's been a lot of progression over the years. So for, at the at the very outset, it was understanding WIPA, which is the work in progress calculator, because before um, before I'd calculated WIPA, I was paying tax on money that wasn't mine. So you have a huge tax bill with, with, and you actually had no, no money in the business because it was a, a account. it's an accounting thing. So to, to start and understand WIPA right at the outset, um, and to be honest with you, I butted heads with Russ a bit on WIPA because I didn't understand it. But then Russ was quickly um, – he was. I know Russ well enough now to know that Russ is always right. You know, if he believes something, you just got to go along with it. Um, whereas in the early days, I used to butt heads with him and try to prove him wrong. But uh, yeah, once he was right for sure. So then I worked worked through that, and that that process um, of introducing Whipper into the business was great. And then we knew we we're only paying tax on the money that we're actually earning. Um, then then moving through the levels, um, so. Whipper was huge, but I think now the biggest thing is going to be the next 12 months of having a fully vetted sales manual, fully vetted um, company manual that now we can live by. So now that that manual, um, I'd hate to think how many hours has been put into creating that manual. Um, and to be honest with you, we, we created the manual, the the company manual twice uh, because we in the in we'd created it over the years and had it right. And then I changed from co-construct to builder trend, um, which is our, um, which are our softwares that we use to run our jobs. So most people would be aware with that. So we were running co-construct for years, um, and then I changed to builder trend about 18 months ago. And at the same time, I changed from my ob to zero. So anyone that's ever done a company manual will understand that that means that every single process that you've written in the company manual then needs to be rewritten over again um, to suit the different softwares we we're using. So, so then we had to go back and rewrite this whole manual um, over again to get it to where it needed to be. So the implement implementation of that now, now it, everybody in the business has a clear path of what their role is and exactly how to do it. And then if someone goes away on holidays or is sick for some reason, Somebody else in the business can step in and read this manual and do exactly what that person does. But also, the power of this manual will be that when Erin, who will be 20 to 21 when she takes over my job in the, in, in the, in the building company, and by then, it'll be a 15 to $20 million building company. It'll be being run and managed by a 20-year-old. So that doesn't happen by accident. So the amount of work that goes in behind the scenes to create this manual that then she can live behind. Um, so the decisions that she'll be making in the company and the respect that she'll need to earn from the staff in our company and the clients as well will come from living by that manual. So if anyone's unhappy with anything that she does, then it's not her fault. It's the company's fault or my fault because I've, I've, I've approved, basically. I've approved the manual to be what it is. I haven't written it all myself. Um, I've had all different staff write their portions of the manual, but I've approved that this is how we do things at Stannard Family Homes. So yeah. that will be, without a doubt, will be the biggest, biggest thing that we've done for sure and it'll have the biggest impact because that means that the $15 to $20 million company I'm running here in Adelaide, I could literally get the map of Australia up, get a dart and throw it at it, wherever that dart lands, 
I could take this business and set up exactly the same company within 12 months. So, do you have an idea on where you're going next with that once Aaron takes over? <laughs> I, I do have a bit of an idea, but uh, we'll, we'll keep that keep for another yourself. episode. Yeah, most <laughs> people that most people that know me well know where it's going, but uh, yeah, so. We'll leave that one for now. Won't reveal it to the world just yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't want any builders in that part of the world freaking out. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, it sounds like you've you almost need those fundamentals of the the financial side of things, the whipper side of things, to be able to progress through to these the manuals that you're talking about, which set you up for for kind of the future. Yeah, and you're exactly right. So the the, the financial numbers are not something that can. Uh, they're not something that can be focused on too much um, because the financial numbers become a formality of good systems and processes. So if your systems and processes are right and you focus on them, it's, the old saying is if you, if you start a business to make money, you'll probably go broke. Whereas if you start a business because you love doing what you're doing, you'll make money. You know, And that's the same thing. So if you're, <clears throat> if you're focusing 100%, on the dollars and cents and the profits of the company, you're never going to get anywhere. So if you focus on your systems and processes that are going to make you the most professional builder in your area, the, the money will come along with it. You know, And it may take a few years for it to come, but I'll guarantee you it will come. It, it must be hard though, I guess, when you're in the heat of the moment and you're just trying to run a building business because um, money is important, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And cash is king. You know, trying to get money into the company. But the harder you try to get money into the company, the less money you'll get. I'll nearly guarantee you of that because you'll make too many wrong mistakes. Whereas creating the processes, the systems and processes that can be clearly followed by everyone, um, it creates the company to run smoothly. I feel like as well, like you've, you've, you've just caught this fire based on having this long-term vision of, of handing over the company to your daughter as well. Like it's almost like that is like a key driving force, like that people would need to find to be able to be super motivated to take those progressions. Yeah. And it, it's having Aaron back into the building company or having Aaron in the building company, which this has only been uh, 18 months she's been here. She started last January. Um, she's only been here 18 months, it's only been probably two years that the progression of her coming into the company was actually going to happen. So that hasn't been something that's been around forever. So at the time before that, my visions for the business were completely different because uh, I actually had fallen out of love with building. Um, I'd actually, I'd done it that hard for that many years. So I've, I left school when I was 14 years old. I finished school halfway through year eight. I got I got sort of asked to move on from school, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> and uh, my dad was a builder, um, so I'm going into a bit of my story. But my dad was a builder, and I got my first, I got my last day of school, and my first day of work was the same day. And from that day on, I've been building houses. So, but building it the hard way. Um, so the the industry, although I believe it's been good to me. Um, has been pretty tough, you know, like I spent 10 years um, leaving home, you know, four or five o'clock in the morning, getting home six, seven o'clock at night, not seeing my family, not seeing my kids. And they were the years where I was making no money, you know. Now I'm making tenfold and uh, I'm ha having holidays whenever I want. I'm picking my kids up from school a couple of days a week, coaching my son's football team on a Wednesday night and a Saturday morning. All these things weren't possible when I wasn't making any money. Yeah, so the, then that's why I'd fallen out of love with building. It was just it, I didn't know how to get out at the time. A building company is not something that you can just shut the doors and walk away on. 
um, it follows you like a bad smell if you yeah if you try to leave it. So that in itself and falling out of love with building when I joined the APB was the, like was literally the final straw for me and my building company, and that's probably why I went in head first and made it happen. So. Yeah. It's interesting because like, I mean, most people, the instinct would be you work harder, then you're going to be more successful. But what you're saying is is not the case. No, no. You work, If you work harder, if you, I'm, well, I'm not saying that. You've got to work smarter, not harder. Yeah. So, yeah. So like when I first joined the APB, and I think Russ has brushed on this a few times, is, um, you know, when you, when you join the APB, you join the APB because you need to get um, your systems and processes in your business. Generally, every person that joins the APB is time poor. So how are you going to find time to work on your business when you've got no time? So I was having this conversation with Russ just last week um, that when when you join the APB, the first couple of years or the first six months, really, six to 12 months is going to be the hardest grind of your life because you're going to see the opportunities are there. You'll see podcasts like this with me talking about how I've done it and understand how it's possible but that first six months you're going to be going looking at that portal and going how the hell am I going to get through this like how am I going to do this I haven't got enough time to do what I've got to do now let alone get get through these modules so um what I did when I did it is uh I started going to work at like two three o'clock in the morning so I'd go to work two or three o'clock in the morning two three days a week and I'd just smash out modules uh early in the morning Everyone else would roll into work at like seven o'clock. I'd done half a day's work. And I did that for about six to nine months until I built up the, reserve, the, the cash reserves in the business um, to be able to employ the next person. And then the next person would come along and then I would have, maybe I had to go to work at three o'clock in the morning one day a week. And then that changed itself until I had all the, all the staff that I needed and then I could peel completely out of the day-to-day operations of the business and, and work on the business completely. So, yeah, because these days in, in, in Stanard Family Homes, I literally have – I work in the business two days a week and I work on the business three days a week. Or that's if I'm even here because I go away a fair bit um, on those days, you know, spending time with family and whatever else. So in those two days, I run all my staff meetings and make sure the business is running. So, yeah, it's a, it's a different side of things these days. What's, what kind of hours are you working now? Uh, I, I generally work um, – I mean, generally in the office at 7 o'clock every morning. Um, but I leave the office generally by about 3, 3.30 most days. Um, and anyone that knows me well knows that I'm an I'm a avid water skier, a barefoot water skier. So okay. in the summer months – you won't you, if you if you can't find me around the office, I'll be up the river, and it could be Monday, it could be Tuesday, it could be Friday, it could be whenever whenever I can find someone to drive the boat, I'm up there skiing. So yeah, so things have changed a bit over the years. Yeah, getting up at two or three in the morning sounds pretty daunting, I imagine, to most people. Did you feel like at any point you were getting burnt out from all of that extra work? Um, no, not really. No, it was just a, I had a vision. I knew that I had to do it. Otherwise, it wasn't going to work. Hard work was something I've never, ever been afraid of. Um, but, yeah, it just I knew it had to be done. And when you, when you set your mind to something, because the alternative of me not doing that was the company going into liquidation, me losing my house and losing everything that I've ever worked for and having to tell the kids that they can't go to the school they go to anymore. That was literally the alternative. And I'm sure there's probably people out there watching this that could resonate with that. And that was me 
six years ago. Yeah, the house the house was somewhat burning, I guess, and you needed to make a choice one one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Not sure it's the, the best metaphor for a, a builder's podcast, but never mind. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so what what was the hardest thing then? To, in your progression through the levels, all the way from the initial whipper calculation through to where you where you are now, what was the biggest challenge you had? What was the biggest challenge that I had? The biggest challenge that every person has is staff. Every company, it doesn't matter whether it's a building company or whatever it is, is staff and finding the right staff. So probably the the probably one of the biggest challenges that every business owner um, will have is yeah getting the getting the right staff and building the right culture in your company. Um, to get people to understand that, you know, we're not just here to make money, we're here to make a difference um, and, uh, yeah, make a difference in people's lives by building houses for them. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's probably the biggest challenge, yeah, because if you could just cherry-pick the right staff and put them into where they were with the right, um, <laughs> with the right fit for you, life would be easy, but that takes years to do that. Yeah, I mean, I like what you said before around like it's like you were growing – safely by just you know get enough cash reserves hire someone cash reserves hire someone that kind of thing that approach yeah. seems to be a safe way to do it yeah yeah it's a good way to do it in the early bit but as you get bigger um so the 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 transformation from about four million to six million dollars company is is that's exactly the motto you need to be you need to get your turnover to where it is you need to make the money make enough money to employ the next person and make it work once you get to once you get to six million, six million to ten million, the amount of staff that you need to run that six million dollar company is the same amount of staff that you need to run a ten to twelve million dollar company. So in that in that regard, you've got to you've got to see it, and that's um, so the net profit and gross profit things of the company. I've been close on the twenty five percent gross profit for about the last four years, the last three years. Um, literally hovering around 23, 24, 24.9 I was at one stage and Andy wouldn't even give it to me. So um, hovering around that hovering around that stage um, for a long time and that's because I was holding margin on my jobs but for the amount of staff that I needed to run the company, I had to sacrifice net, mar- like net profit for, um, to, to keep the company running to get it to grow. So then I needed to get more turnover into the company so that I could pay the staff that I needed to make the company run. And it's been not until I've got to, you know, 10 million that now the amount of staff that I've got at 10 million are like one or two people more than what I needed to run at 6 million. And now the company's running smoothly and making money. Yeah. So it's a it's it's understanding and knowing your numbers so sometimes you've got to sacrifice uh, net profit uh, growth yeah net profit and keep your gross profit to keep the company growing so it's this is where having a having a coach and working with your coach really makes you really makes you understand exactly where you're headed and and um, my coach is Andy obviously and I've had Andy right from the get-go and uh, he's been a pivotal part in this so he's been like my shoulder to cry on my rock to yell at my yeah everything the whole way along so yeah but it is it's interesting times and 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 going into the um knowing your numbers side of things like we we had to go through uh, a bit just last year where i i was i was holding gross margin on jobs um but no net margin uh, no net profit or net profit was down 
um, because as a building company owner, I've always focused on holding margin on my jobs. Every single job, I'm like, nah, that guy's going to be charging us too much. We can't pay him that. We can't do this. But through COVID, it's been a completely different beast. So if you if you don't if you haven't rode with the times and paid people what they needed to get paid to keep the jobs going, the jobs sit. And then when the jobs sit, that erodes that erodes the net profit. So you can hold gross profit on jobs, but it erodes the net profit of the company. So we had to sacrifice gross profit by paying trades more money to get the job done, but then we could get it done faster, which actually gave us more net profit. So that might be a bit confusing for some people, but yeah, it was literally what we had to do. So it was knowing the numbers. It sounds like you're always making trade-offs depending on what stage of business you're at, right? Like you mentioned from six to 12 million, you're in a growth phase. So you kind of need to sacrifice net profit in that phase um, yeah. compared to where you be. So you're probably moving up and down the levels a little bit, but that's just the way of running a business. Yeah, that's it. And and there's all these builders going insolvent at the moment. And yeah, and you hear on the news or look on Facebook or all the rest of it that these builders are crooks and they're doing this. Anyone that steps into the into the game uh, and runs a building company is the most courageous person that you'd ever find because where we are the most volatile industry, um, it goes up and down. You know, there's labour shortages. You know, every single thing that happens with government impact how we run our businesses and these builders that are going broke they're, they're not crooks they're, they've just been caught up in the wrong wrong thing and they haven't haven't been running their business quite how it should be but there's a maybe a lot of businesses out there in a lot of industries that are not running their businesses quite how they should but they get away with it because they're not um exposed to the markets as much as we are so yeah, so every every builder, I believe, we're the most courageous people in the world. So yeah, well, I mean, it's a, it's a high kind of cost business, isn't it? There's lots of there's, yeah. there, like there's lots of cash coming in, but there's obviously lots of cash going out as well. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly right. You look, you look in a lot of other businesses that you know they might have a two or three million dollar company, you know, and make twice as much money as what we do because the 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 money that they get to hold is so much more than us. We we deal with millions of dollars. It's millions of dollars passes through our bank accounts yearly, weekly, that and only a small margin of that is ours. So unless you know your numbers, unless you can understand that, um, you, you you're doomed basically because you'll spend money that's not yours. And it's easy to do that when you're in a growing phase because you think you're making money. There's money in the bank, but that the money's not yours, and that's where the whipper calculator comes in. Uh, really important. I'm intrigued to jump back a second and hear a bit more about your journey from like 10, 15% margin all the way to 35%. Was that just like a, a big hop or did it take some time? And did you ever, do, you, do you ever get pushback from clients about the margin you're, you're marking up your projects? Uh, well, they, the clients don't know what margin we mark up the projects by. Um, it's just an overall cost of doing business. So, yeah, yep. so they just know what the cost of their house is. So we don't actually get a pushback on that at all. We'll get a pushback that our price is higher than everyone else. Mm -hmm. But the, in the in the first general conversation with a, with a client, um, is we'll tell them that we're probably going to be the most expensive builder that they're talking to and we're booked out for 18 months. So in that process, um, scarcity and urgency. Well, why are they booked out for 18 months? They must be good if they're the most expensive. So then you get people getting trust. But that doesn't happen by accident. So, yeah, this is a, 
um, this is a really interesting topic. And um, it's when when I first started working with the APB, I, I never did uh, any marketing. And there's so many builders out there. And once again, I was chatting to Russ about this just last week. You know, how many builders won't spend money on marketing now because they're busy? So through the through the COVID times and through the booms um, that we had, um, I was in constant um, constant conversation with my marketing team, and we were spending more money and more money and more money on marketing all the way through that boom when nobody else was spending money on marketing. And the reason why I was doing that was one because I had the money to spend, but also. I knew that if I spent the money on marketing, I would be able to get the best quality leads out there. So I would be able to get myself in front of the best people looking to build that we would be able to disqualify so hard the people that we don't want to build for. Or And they may be marginal sometimes, but we're picking the cream of the crop. So we're, like my company now is 10 to 15 million um, and we're spending about $250,000 a year on um, marketing alone, and that's the ad spend on marketing and about another $100,000 a year on content creation. So that's a lot of money for a lot of people to spend on marketing. But when you, if, you, if you don't have that sort of marketing, you can't drive up your margin because you're, you're waiting for someone to walk in the door and sign up with you. So you, that's the referral business, and that's what I ran before I come in. So you'd have it'd be boom or bust. So you'd have heaps of people come in wanting to build at one stage, and then you'd have none when you at, at other stages. So the advertising now gives it a consistency, but also you're getting in front of a whole lot, whole different range of people than what you ever were before. So yeah, it's all in the marketing. Yeah, you, any builder that's not spending money on marketing is leaving so much money on the table. So you might look at it that I don't need to spend that much money. Spending that money will bring you back money tenfold. I'll, I'll guarantee you. Yeah. And that proof's in the pudding is what we've done with it for sure. How long does it take you to get to that point? I mean, that is a significant budget, right, uh, for marketing, which I imagine most builders aren't dedicating to it. Yeah, it, start, well, it started, off, um, started off smaller, obviously, uh, and then you build up to it as you get more money into the company and understand how it works. So you'll sit with your coach or people that have got coaches will sit with their coach and their coach will tell them, you know, that you should be able to look at your marketing numbers and you should know by looking down your sales funnel um, where it is all the time and know the numbers and parameters of where where that where things need to sit so that you can grow safely and securely. The only way you can do that is with um with spending money on marketing and and I know that say if I look at my look at my funnel and my PSAs or preliminary services agreement preliminary building agreements whatever you want to call it that's that's what we use for the next step to get into contract I know that if they're dropping below 10 I'm starting to get in into strife so I need to hold 10 preliminary service agreements all the time which is we're only building 24 houses a year here at Stannard Family Homes. So that's more than a, half a year's work I'm holding in front in the design phase. But I know that if that's not where it is, right, I've got the next six months before I run out of PSAs um, before I, I can do it. So if they drop below 10, I know that if I put another $10,000 into my marketing for that quarter, That'll bring me in enough, uh, more than enough leads to fill that funnel back up again every single time. Yeah, in, and it, 
and it's been proven in, in, in nearly every market. So Yeah, I mean, and what I'm hearing you say as well is like there's no point in just spending money on marketing. You need to have your systems tight as well to start with before you can even think about it. And yeah, and that's the biggest problem with marketing is it's such a broad um, it's such a broad area. But mm. what you need to do is do the action plans on marketing. So the biggest thing that you need to do in, 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 when you're running a building company, in any company for that matter, is you don't need to know how to do everything yourself but you need to know how to manage it yourself. So even like marketing, you need to know what to look for, the numbers you need to look for so that you're not just not getting ripped off. Yeah. Yeah, Because you can throw money into marketing. You go to a marketing agency and they'll say, oh, give us 50 grand. It's going to be a six-month process. You'll start to see stuff at at, at the six-month part. We've all heard it. Um, yeah. And yeah, we've all put money into it. Up. Yeah, and then you get six <laughs> months down the track, you spent fifty grand, and you got nothing. Uh, yeah, and that's literally how marketing works, and everyone's freaked out by it because there's so many shonky marketing agencies out there. Yeah. Well, they just get you a bunch of leads, but um, to your point, like if you if you don't have the back end systems to qualify those leads <sighs> and get yourself in front of the right type of um, clients or prospects then it's it's pointless spending the money on yeah exactly right so with your marketing strategy needs to become your your sales process yeah. need to meet together so that your qualifying process into there so you're not wasting any wasting any of anyone's time so our sales guys are only talking to people that have got sufficient budget they have um they know the type of house they're going to build they've got land to build on uh, we're only there's all these parameters uh if they don't fit into our pigeonhole um yeah we're not going to talk to them so yeah that's cool there's a there's a famous marketing quote the business that can spend the most to acquire a customer wins and i think that resonates with uh what you've said there yeah exactly right yeah 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 that's right like we spend thousands on it on leads like thousands on every lead like if you think i'm spending two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year on like on ad spend plus $100,000 on marketing, con- creating content, and I need 24 jobs a year. You don't have to be Einstein to realize how much it's costing me in marketing for every mm. single person that we build a house for. But, yep. but we're making that up with margin, so every single time. I'm sure so we could <laughs> – I'm a bit of a marketing geek, so I feel like we could probably talk about those numbers for a couple of hours. But uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you got a building, to, you got a building company to run, so maybe we don't go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go and have a look at my HubSpot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm interested just to get a bit more of an overview of your succession plan with Erin. So you mentioned she's 19 at the moment. You've got a couple of years potentially to to hand over the business. What does the next couple of years look like? What are the objectives you set out? Yeah, and this is. Uh, Interesting one. Um, I've got a strap plan with Andy on Tuesday and we're going to map out the next two years. So me and Aaron are going to sit with Andy in that strap plan and we're going to map out the next two years. So yeah, for people who don't know, the, the strategy sessions are a part of the LEAP mentoring. We do them every um, every three months um, to create your plan moving forward. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll be going through all of that. But So I'll have a clearer vision on that once I speak to the master, Andy Scarter. But uh, in my head, it's it's getting Erin to the stage. So Erin so now, she runs all of the customer selections um, in the company. So she started knowing nothing about building at all 18 months ago. Now she runs that whole department. And that's been done by the systems that we created in that department. She was able to follow along with it and edit it. So now 
the biggest the the biggest thing we need to do to get her running in the company is get her out of the day to day operations of the selections. So so what we need to do is create a plan for that to happen, um, which is also a little bit more complicated than would seem because at the moment you probably see I'm sitting in our um, in our selection center where we do our selections. Uh, in four week four to six weeks time, we're moving into a brand new purpose built complex for Stannard Family Homes, uh, which will have a whole new selection centre, all new offices. It's about a two and a half million dollar building that we've put there. So it's a it's a pretty impressive space for us. So she's got to she's got to set that up so that it works for the new selections as well as trying to handball that over to someone else. So that's going to come with a lot of challenges in itself. But we need to get her out of the day to day operations of that so that then she can work through that at the um, company manual and make sure that she understands that company manual word for word because she's going to have to that's going to be her bible for running this company that's what's going to give her the the trust and credibility from every person that she speaks to so the the thing about having such a young manager is that that young manager needs to be so confident on what she's talking about or he or her is talking about and if they speak with such confidence and conviction about the stuff that they know, no one will ever be game to doubt them. Yeah, and yep. that's that's the biggest challenge. So that's why we've got a company manual, right, enough that's been vetted by Andy Scarter to say, right, they're a level 10 builder. Andy tells me that that manual is about 90 to 95% like perfect. I don't believe it is 90 to 95% perfect. I believe it's probably 75% perfect. And over the next year, we're going to get it to 100%. So... Yeah, that's that's the that's the progression. So that's that's how important that document is to everybody here. Well, I guess that's a sign as well. Like you've got high standards, right? And that's a big part of you know being so, why you've been so successful. I imagine. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and it, and it's one of those things. Like I'm not diagnosed, but I'm pretty sure I've got dyslexia. Um, so I get bored with things once I get something that works and get it get it right. Um, mm. I uh, yeah, I get bored with it. I move on to the next thing pretty quickly. Whereas a lot of people would be happy to get their company to do X, Y, Z, um, and roll with it. Whereas once I get it there, I want to jump to the next step. I want to change something. I want to move something. I want to <laughs> get new software. I want to do this. It's like I've got ants in my pants. And I think the staff <laughs> sometimes see me walk into the office and they go, "Oh no, what's he going to do today?" Yeah. But, <laughs> Well, how have you, I guess, how have you then kept on the straight and narrow then? Uh, just by knowing it, not like, you know, just working through everything and being able to take the bull by the horns. Yeah, and mm. the, probably what it was in what I said in the early part, I've never been scared of hard work. So hard yeah. work's not something that bothers me. If it's got to be done, it's got to be done. Just get in and do it. And working the long hours, as much as it probably bothers my wife, um, doesn't bother me either. So, Yeah, but I think there's a slight difference. Like there's hard work. For the sake of hard work, and then there's hard work with direction, which is what you pick. You started doing, you know, at some point in your business, and that's where you saw like such, you know, um, level, levels and achievement. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, like, I mean, you're providing Erin an enormous opportunity. There's not many 19 year olds that would get that kind of business training at such a, a young age. So uh, she's she's very lucky. Yeah, and, yeah, and I think she understands that. Um, yeah, and maybe I'm lucky too because uh, it means I can step out and go and work on other things. Whereas to get the confidence in somebody else to hand them the manual, hand them the hand them the reins, and say, go and run this. Here's the staff. Here's my little 
pet that I've set up. Now you go and run it. Yeah, so. Well, that's exciting, um, Ryan. Look, I've really enjoyed listening to your story today and I'm going to be following it closely. I think maybe we might have to have Erin on at some point in the future. Yeah, <laughs> the why not? Yeah, hit yeah. her up for sure. I'm sure she'll be, she'll be keen for sure. Yeah, she needs, to spend, <laughs> yeah. she needs to spend some time in front of the camera because uh, she needs to start doing some marketing soon. So Her point of view might be different than yours though. <laughs> yeah, it might be. might be. We'll be interested. I'll be interesting to listen to it. Definitely will. So. Yeah, very good. No, but I've loved everything you've shared today. Um, before we wrap up, is there any advice you'd give to other builders out there about um, the progression through the levels that you've gone through and all the success you've had? Yeah, well, probably the biggest advice I'd give to people, um, and I give this to people, I get phone calls from people all the time that are looking to join the APB or whatever, and the number one thing that I say to people is if you doesn't matter whether you're looking to go into the business coaching or you're looking to go into the elite mentoring if you believe that you can't afford to pay the APB what they want for you to go there that's enough reason for you to have to go there yeah so if you can't afford it you need to do it yeah as a building company owner um, we should be making enough money that you should be able to pay them and you should be able to pay them whatever they're asking because um, the information that they've got there to give to you is so valuable that, um, yeah, can't be understated. Well, thanks, Ryan. You're making my job nice and easy by giving those plugs, so I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, and that's not a plug anyone's told me to do either. That's, no. <laughs> that's my honest opinion. That's what I That's what I tell people all the time. And anyone that's spoken to me would understand. That's exactly what I tell them. Awesome. Well, thanks, Ryan. Look, my big, biggest takeaways from the episode today were knowing your numbers, documenting your systems and processes, and also just having a a purpose for you, which is obviously that succession plan with Erin. Um, and that's like a really powerful driver for the, all the things you're doing with the builder levels. But huge, huge thanks for coming on the show today. Also to our listeners, wherever you are in the world, thanks for listening. Uh, if you like the show, please subscribe. Um, and if you're feeling generous, leave us a review as well. But until next time, have a great day. 